Welcome to Periods, Poos and Pimples. My name is Jacinta and I'm the founder and nutritionist of Arenda Women's Health, an online clinic specializing in all things skin, gut and reproductive health. This podcast is for all women who have ever had some level of confusion in regards to their health. Whether you're battling with a skin condition, menstrual cycle disorder, fertility issues or gut issues and you just want to understand what is going on and what you need to do from people who know what they're talking about. In each episode, I'll be speaking with experts in the realm of women's health to give you the highest level of education that you'll need to develop a deeper connection with yourself and your body. Although this information will be super insightful, this information is not for diagnostic or treatment purposes. And please ensure you speak with your medical professional before implementing any treatment protocols. Please do keep in mind, as we may refer to research or specific pathophysiology of conditions, when we're referencing male or female, it is specific to the gender that's assigned at birth and pronouns used are specific to the individual discussed. Thank you so much for tuning in and I look forward to you joining us on this journey. In today's episode, we're joined by naturopath and natural fertility educator, Corinda. Corinda is an expert in the realm of understanding the complexities of the menstrual cycle and uses the combined approach of naturopathic medicine and menstrual cycle awareness to educate others on the power that their hormones can provide. Throughout the course of the menstrual cycle, there are constant fluctuations in the levels of different hormones and having education around exactly what they do and how they influence us energetically and emotionally can empower you to take control over the way that you feel throughout the course of the month and truly embrace the benefits that each hormone has to offer. Today, Corinda will be delving into each phase of the menstrual cycle and the tools that you can use to harness the beauty of being a menstruator. So thank you so much for joining us today, Corinda. Thank you for having me here. I love that intro and I'm definitely going to use some of that that language in my yeah. own bios and stuff. <laughs> oh my God, you're absolutely welcome to take it. <laughs> so can you please give us an overview of exactly what the menstrual cycle is as a whole and also why you're so passionate about doing this work? Yeah, cool. Ooh. Um, okay, so menstrual cycle as a whole, and I love starting off with that because I feel like it's still a little bit of a misconception or like we hear the word menstrual cycle and we just think of periods and I'm like, Mm -hmm. it's so much more than that. And sometimes even with my clients, I'll say, how long's your cycle? And they'll tell me the length of their bleed. So this is really great to start off with. So the menstrual cycle as a whole is essentially a cycle that's experienced by uh, within female bodies, starting from the time of puberty up until before we head into menopause, where we experience ovulation and that is the release of an egg. And because of the hormonal fluctuations that come with ovulation, two weeks later, if we don't fall pregnant, we then get a period. And so the cycle actually starts with ovulation. We all know it like as our period. And that's like the defining point or the most Mm -hmm. obvious point, I guess. But yeah, it's a cycle that's made up of ovulation and then menstruation. And within that cycle, we also have more distinct phases because of what our hormones are doing, because of what our brain is doing that affects our mental health, our emotional health and the hormones that we're working with. So like estrogen, progesterone, we've got hormones from the brain, LH, FSH, because of those hormones, they affect just about every tissue of our body. Mm -hmm. So our hormones really impact all aspects of our being like, you know, seen and unseen as far as I'm concerned. So in terms of how it flows, Uh, In terms of the phases, we've got the menstrual phase, which is the one we mostly know, our period. Our period, Um, And I love to clarify that in terms of cycle tracking, 
day one of your cycle is the first day of full flow bleeding because mm-hmm. um, obviously you can sort of have like a little bit of spotting or like a light bleed before it really starts. So I just like to confirm if you're interested in cycle tracking and menstrual cycle awareness, day one of your cycle, first day of full flow bleeding. Great to clarify because I also get that question a lot in clinic where people are like, oh, well, is day one the first day that I see blood, but it's only like a little bit of spotting. It's like, no, it's the full day. It's the day of your full bleed. Yes. And then also nuance to that. Like it's always like it's always about your personal context. Like if you have Mm. really light periods or like if you're just going through a time in your life where every period is really light, well, you'll count it as the first day of any bleeding if your period just stays like it's the light. same amount of lightness. Yeah. But generally, yeah, you'll you'll notice like a little bit and then a full flow and that's when we count it. Mm-hmm. And then, and I'm sure we'll go into more depth, so I'll just lightly touch on each phase. So menstrual phase, that then leads into our follicular phase. So bleeding's finished. And then what our body is focusing on is developing the follicles that are within our ovaries so that one of them can get mature enough to be ovulated. And so our follicular phase is a variable phase in that it can go for any amount of time. It's not fixed. And this is how we see things like amenorrhea um, and irregular cycles. Essentially, the follicular phase is a time where our brain and our nervous system is determining whether our environment is safe enough to make a baby. And that's what's going to determine if we ovulate or not. So, If you're in a state of fight or flight or there's chronic stress or even just or even physical stress or illness, the body's going to delay ovulation. And so that's how you can end up with a really long cycle from an extended follicular phase. And then if the body does, if the brain decides that it's a good time to ovulate, ovulation happens. And that's actually just a single event that happens within 12 to 24 hours. The, The egg is released, goes off into the fallopian tube. And then we sort of have a fork in the road where that egg is either fertilized and that starts a pregnancy or there's no fertilization. And then we find ourselves in our luteal phase. And this is a time where our body's still sussing out whether we're going to fall pregnant or not. So there's a lot more hormonal activity to prepare for a potential pregnancy. And this is the thing I like to acknowledge as well is that, you know, regardless of your intentions to conceive, we can't escape our biology in that Mm -hmm. so much of these hormonal fluctuations and our neurochemistry and our wiring is all dependent on if we're going to make a baby or not. And that's like, that's (laughs) That's like what what is, that's what it's, what it wants, like not what it wants, but like that's essentially the hormonal changes is to accommodate for that. Exactly. Exactly. Like the reason we have a menstrual cycle at all is because we're able to fall pregnant and like, because- Mm -hmm we can reproduce. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But there's so much more to it than that. So yeah, the luteal phase, body preparing for pregnancy, lots of hormonal changes, and that phase is fixed. So if you, if the egg is not fertilized within a certain period of time, you will get your period within 11 to 17 days after ovulation. So that once you ovulate, it's, it is determined when you will get your next period. And I really Mm -hmm. like to use that little hack for predicting our periods and planning our schedules and stuff like that. So, yeah, that's a brief little overview. And the reason I'm so passionate about it is because, yeah, it changes and influences every aspect of our being. And for me personally, I had, I mean, I've had a lot of different journeys with period pain, PMS, fertility awareness, polycystic ovarian syndrome. Like I've experienced Mm -hmm. a lot in the realm of reproductive health and, Particularly with PMS, I just got to the point where I wasn't 
accepting how I was changing. I was so frustrated with the mood swings I would face and how I would just be thinking differently at a certain time of my cycle. And I really had to delve into cycle awareness to be like, babe, this is in your biology. Like this is Mm. a cycle as old as time. You are a cyclical being. You're not a robot. And it was a really key part for me in like radical self-acceptance, which I think is a huge part of any healing journey. Just being Mm -hmm. able to accept that I do have this menstrual cycle. It's going to affect me. I may as well jump on its wave instead of trying to resist it and causing more suffering for myself. So that's Mm -hmm. what it comes down to for me. I really love that perspective because it's it really is about just being able to tune into your body and listening to what it actually needs during that period of time. And, you know, sometimes, yeah. you know, often people be like, oh, I was emotional and I was crying and I knew I had to be irrational because then I bled the next day. And sometimes I'm actually like, well, was it irrational or were you just maybe actually truly feeling an emotion that is sensitive to you or something that you need to work through? But in the other parts of the cycle, it's not something that's on the forefront of your mind. But now that your body's in a position where it's kind of letting its guard down a little, emotions are coming up, you're seeing the things that are quite sensitive or triggers to your soul and it doesn't mean that there's something massive wrong but it's almost just like hey this is something that maybe you want to kind of look at when you're feeling a bit better this is just like kind of dropping the thought yes yes yes. just bringing this to your attention yeah Yeah. and i will i have a lot to say about the luteal phase and that's yeah i'm gonna keep that on my radar yeah yeah (laughs) um so then can you tell us the benefits of well what is menstrual cycle awareness and maybe even some tools i know i was going to ask this later but maybe some tools that you that you often use either yourself or with clients to help them actually truly map out their menstrual cycle or like tools to use to be able to um, gain more awareness of where they're at especially if they have conditions like PCOS or things where you know the follicular phase could be you know 60 days and you know yeah like at what point am i ovulating Yeah, yeah, cool. So menstrual cycle awareness is, I consider it a bit of a practice and an art where essentially you are just taking note of your cyclical changes. You're taking note of the days of your menstrual cycle and tapping into your changing energies and then aligning with that in your life, whether that be through what you're eating, how you're moving, how you're socializing, the work that you're doing. So it's like an alignment of your external world and your internal hormonal happenings. That's the way I see it. And in terms of tracking and tools, it can be as simple as, you know, really loosey-goosey where you might just take note of like when you bleed and then just subtly subtly track throughout the month like when you notice changes within your cycle, Mm -hmm. when you notice potential hormonal shifts. And you might not be tracking anything specifically, but you might be like, oh, oh yeah, I bled about, you know, what, 20 days ago, I'm feeling like I could be in my luteal phase and just being Mm -hmm. aware of that. And then it can be really uh, much more, I guess, uh, specific and intentional where it's like daily cycle tracking, where you're taking note of what cycle day you're on every day. Maybe you're using a cycle journal or an app. The apps I love are Read Your Body. It's super customizable, but also much more focused on people who are tracking fertility biomarkers, which I'll get into. Mm -hmm. A really accessible app, especially if you're new to this, is called Stardust. It's really cool in terms of a good period tracking app that offers you insights into the hormonal fluctuations and it like it really comes from a menstrual cycle awareness lens. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I highly recommend those two apps. So yeah, you can be 
tracking your cycle day every day, tuning into like how you're feeling and maybe doing some journaling every day. And then also tracking your symptoms. That's that's a sort of like a, a next level of uh, practicing menstrual cycle awareness where you're like, okay, I'm on day three. Um, I'm having some mi- mild pelvic pain. Oh, my mental health's feeling pretty good. I'm feeling more clarity. Yeah, that's a way that you can do it. The, I, I guess, highest level, not that I want to put it on a hierarchy, but something mm-hmm. extra that you can do, and this is what I practice, is ovulation tracking. So, as well as tracking my period, you know, and my cycle days, I also use certain biomarkers to help me get an understanding of when my fertile window is and when I am ovulating. So, personally, I use my basal body temperature. So, that's your waking temperature every morning after at least three hours of rest and sleep. And I also use cervical fluid tracking. And so, essentially, basal body temperature will rise after you ovulate and cervical fluid will demonstrate a pattern of becoming more fertile. So, the closer you get to ovulation, the more cervical fluid you have, it changes quality. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of specifics to that. That could be a whole podcast on its own. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, but yeah, I find that if people are game enough, if people have the dedication and the motivation, tracking ovulation is a total game changer because then it allows you to go, okay, I'm no longer in my follicular phase. I, I, I know I've ovulated. I'm now in my luteal phase. And then you're able to predict when your period's coming. You're able to count how long your luteal phase is, which is an important marker for health, especially if you're trying to conceive. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I recommend people that it, the focus is on ovulation, essentially. If you can track ovulation, that, that will give you a lot more clarity and certainty with where you're at in your cycle. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's really important to highlight why these tools are so beneficial for particular conditions like PCOS or amenorrhea because it can help to give you a bit of, it makes you to feel a bit more connected with your body when you feel like you might have disconnection because you're unable to naturally predict when it might come. Like let's say, for example, there's you know some people who have a textbook 28-day cycle are like, yeah, cool, I know on the 1st of March I'm getting my period, I have a wedding that weekend, um, mm. so I need to do this, this, and this. Um, but for people that have PCOS or amenorrhea, they can't easily predict it until they ovulate and then they yes. can almost kind of guarantee when they're going to be getting their period within that 11 to 17-day window after they ovulate. Exactly. And that's a nice heads up, like a nice fortnight's mm. heads up of you can how you can plan your schedule and accommodate. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And also just in the sense of conception and contraception. Yeah. As well. And that's a massive one. I'm not, I'm sure you probably see it in clinic as well, but I've had so many clients that, you know, in their late twenties, early thirties, and they're like, I kind of want to come off the pill, but also like, what do I do? So I don't fall pregnant. And it's so interesting because, you know, as we're going through high school, probably so, so put into our heads that it's, it's too easy to fall pregnant, which, yes. you know, if you're being careless, yes. Um, but at the same time, it's like, actually, you can be off hormonal contraception yeah, and track your cycles and not fall pregnant if yeah. you're doing it correctly. And is it something like it actually is like over 90% accurate, isn't it? Oh, With, yeah. If you're doing um, natural fertility awareness. Yeah. When the symptothermal method which is a fertility awareness method, when it's pract- when it's perfect use, it's 99.6% effective, yeah. which is similar to the pill and condoms. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. isn't that crazy? And that's that's really, that's, that's the beauty of being able to understand your body and having that body literacy. 
Yes, exactly. And if I may do a quick myth bust there in terms Mm. of, I totally agree, high school, you were pretty much told that like pregnancy is so possible, like at any time of your cycle, like it was, it was, yeah, that was definitely ingrained in us. Absolutely. And so to clarify and also to clarify some terminology, like when I say fertile window, that refers to the time in your cycle where you can, where you could fall pregnant and what that window account takes into account is how long sperm can survive in fertile quality cervical mucus, which is up to five days. Mm-hmm. So you could ovulate on day 16, but if you had unprotected sex on like day 11 or day 12, because you're like, oh, ovulation isn't happening yet, sperm could survive up until, yeah, day 16. And then it also takes into account the viability of the egg once it's released. So an egg pretty much has a 24-hour window to be fertilized. So we take into the to, into account the five days for the sperm survival and then the day for the egg survival, but then we do 48 hours just to play it really safe in case there's a double ovulation, which is very, very rare, but we go on mm-hmm. the side of caution, especially when it's for contraception. So all in all, in every cycle, you have a seven-day window of when you. it is actually possible to fall pregnant. And outside mm-hmm. of that, especially after ovulation, that that's it. You're, yeah, you're pretty pretty safe. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And that's such a good point because, yeah, like a lot of us are under the, um, I guess we're taught in the sense that every single day of the month, is a day that you could probably fall pregnant. Yeah. And, you know, for some, for example, there might be these fluke situations where they might get their period and then, you know, the day after their period, day eight or something, they mm. happen to have unprotected sex and then they've ovulated early that month. Exactly. And maybe yeah. that has kind of happened. Um, yeah. But generally, I guess when you're working on hormonal support and everything, there often is more of a consistency. Yeah. With that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So let's go through the different phases of the menstrual cycle then and their distinct energies. Cause I guess that's the topic of everything of what we want to delve into. So the, so you've mentioned there's the menstrual cycle, there's the follicular phase, ovulation and the luteal phase. So what are the distinct energies of each and what are some of the best practices that we can then use like diet, lifestyle, um, even like spiritual, energetic or anything like that, that are important for each part of those cycles? Yeah. Cool. So we'll start with menstruation again. And I like to, when I talk about the menstrual cycle energies, I like to relate it to the seasons and the lunar phases. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's, that's also, I guess, an optional part of menstrual cycle awareness is just working with your inner seasons. So menstruation and the menstrual phase, we would relate to winter and inner winter where it's like this time of turning inward. It's this time of like, being in your cave, it's dark outside, um, it's cold, and, like, we're focused on, like, hibernation, nourishment, replenishing our stores. And then on a physical level, like, a layer of our uterine lining is sh- is actively shedding. Like, there's mm-hmm. a lot of activity happening, um, and especially if you experience period pain, like, it's just a time of, like, total rest. That is what the body is asking for during that time. And then in terms of the lunar correlation, it correlates with a new moon. So just before you bleed would be considered related to the dark moon. So like just before we hit a a new moon. And then once you start bleeding, that's like new moon energy. So it's a great time for 
once you've done the rest and usually on day three onwards, okay, start setting intentions for the cycle ahead. It's a new moon. It's a new cycle. What do you want to bring into the world this cycle? And just starting to like dream that up. It's not the time for like practical steps or taking action, but just a time for, yeah, visioning, visioning and just meditating with what you want to bring in. Mm -hmm. And in terms of some things we can do to support that phase and tap into the energy of that phase, diet is a big one here really focusing on warming, nutrient-dense, easy-to-digest foods. You could even focus on like anti-inflammatory foods, especially if you actively have period pain or if you want to prevent period pain. Yeah, so focusing on, you know, good quality fats, omega-3s, turmeric, other anti-inflammatory spices, ginger, things like that. And also, if you have a tendency to iron deficiency, you might want to focus on that as well. Iron-rich foods during that time. Um, mm-hmm. If you're a flexitarian, it's a great time to incorporate meat and animal products mm-hmm. just for the bioavailable nutrients and just, yeah. Replenishing blood. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And especially from a, I feel like that's something that from a Chinese medicine perspective, they've really got that right with like, yeah, yeah. blood building foods. Um, yeah. That is perfect for the menstrual phase. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then easy things, you know, broths and stuff like that. And then in terms of lifestyle, this is where I really, for myself and for my clients, just slow it down, just slow it down as slow as you can go. Something that can come up here is a real resistance to rest and surrender. Mm -hmm. And I will acknowledge it it can be really hard. It can be really hard. Now that I've been practicing it for years, it's like a non-negotiable for me. And I do want to empathize with, you know, especially people who are parents, like people who are working full-time parents, like I get it that a lot of people are time poor. And especially if you've got ongoing symptoms or a chronic condition, it really comes comes down to how will you choose yourself? How will you prioritize yourself? Mm -hmm. And how can you tailor it to your life? So rest for someone who's like busy, who's got that kind of lifestyle, could be 30 minutes on their first day of bleeding to themselves where they're just like, kids- sit back, work, I can't come in today, and then just half an hour napping, reading, sleeping, you know. Yeah. Um, and then how I like it is the first two days of my bleed, I like to just really go totally inward. If I need to cancel plans, I cancel plans. I have a period policy for my business, so I, I do let clients know that if I happen to be menstruating on a day that I had clients booked in, I may cancel on short notice and I also mm-hmm. afford them that same access as well where it's like if they are in their That's premenstrual phase. I love that. Yeah, mm. if they're in their premenstrual phase or if they're bleeding and they feel like they can't fully show up to the appointment, mm-hmm. that's that's totally fine. Yeah, I I want to be really aware of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's great because you it really just comes down to you listening to your own needs because mm-hmm. if you're listening to your own needs at every single part of the cycle, it will, I guess, in particular at the start of the cycle, then you're really going to enhance that outcomes of what's going to happen in your luteal phase because you've honoured what you've needed. Exactly. And that's such a good point that I should have mentioned earlier. Yeah, another reason we practice menstrual cycle awareness is because we're it's an acknowledgement that each phase can influence the next and mm-hmm. that each cycle can influence the next. And, again, if we're experiencing a chronic condition or poor mental health on a consistent basis, cycle awareness sort of gives us an opportunity where it's like, well, here's where you could break the cycle. Listen to your body here, start there, and then that could break the cycle and Mm -hmm. a new path. So, yeah, that's that's a really great point. 
Yeah. And I I love that even how you said about in the time that you're bleeding, you do need to just rest and go inward. And for me, I find, you know, maybe I do need to implement some more practices around that whilst I'm bleeding. But Mm. sometimes it's even just a matter of like, okay, usually I work from my desk, but I'm going to work from bring my laptop to my couch and just sit on my couch today. And sometimes that, even just that act of doing that, I'm like, yeah, I'm still keeping productive because I like to keep productive, but also part of me is just chilling. Yes, and relaxing. Yes. Like I'm not in my, I'm not in this work room or this work zone. I'm just like here deciding to just relax on my couch while I'm doing anything that I need to, but also not putting pressure on needing it to get, needing for it to get done. Cause there'll be another day at the end of the week that'll feel better. Exactly. And I love that. It's like making it work for you. And it's like mm. making those little adjustments where you're like, okay, I'm going to be a bit easier on myself. And also how can I make this cozier for myself? I've, I, yeah, mm. I've definitely had menstrual working from bed kind of days. (laughs) (laughs) It's so great. Yeah. And then after the period, where are we moving into energetically? Yeah. So then we're into our follicular phase, which correlates with inner spring energy and a waxing moon. And so this is a time where it's like really, we're coming out of our cave, re-emerging into the world. And this can feel really harsh for some people where it's like, oh my God, no, I just want to stay in my cave. It can, and again, especially where mental health is a factor, it can feel really hard to like participate in society if you've slowed it right down. Um, Mm -hmm. So, I always recommend, you know, just go at your own pace, go easy on yourself. But essentially it's, you know, it's just a great time for if we're thinking about spring energy, flowers are blooming, there's more activity with animals, there's a sense of like rising fertility. So, it's a great time for planning. So, whatever you dreamed up in your menstrual phase, whatever intentions you set, it's a great time to like take action and go, okay, how can I actually implement this? How can I start scheduling things for the cycle ahead, planning things? It's a great time for starting new projects. Mm-hmm. And you might find during this time that you just have, yeah, higher energy levels. You might feel more resilient. Um, on a physical level, our bodies do tend to be more resilient in that they can tolerate more um, moderate to high intensity exercise really well. So, great time for, you know, high intensive intensity interval training, aerobic exercise, things like that. You might feel like you have more social energy. In terms of nutrition, I love focusing on iodine during this phase because that's really good for ovarian health. And so, if we're thinking mm-hmm. about, okay, follicular phase, our follicles are, are developing, there's lots of activity going on there. Our body is protecting and correcting like DNA that we could, you know, release at ovulation. So, antioxidant support, things like that. And it's also a really important time for, especially for people with PCOS or amenorrhea, it's a really important time to focus on nervous system regulation. Mm. So, remembering that ovulation and your fertility starts in your brain and our body wants to feel safe. And if it detects any sense of unsafety, we may have problems with ovulation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that can even just be in the form of under eating for multiple days in advance. And that could, or in a row, and that that could be sometimes unintentional. Like sometimes it's not intentional that people are trying to reduce the calories, but, you know, they have a meal prepped. So multiple days in a row, they haven't got a good adequate lunch and they're not eating enough. And if if you have a sensitivity in the reproductive system, that could be enough for the body to be like, well, she's not eating enough there's already like an underlying condition that's going on. So we're going to make this an unsafe zone. So let's delay ovulation a little bit longer. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 
absolutely. That's it, it can be that easy. And also I find a lot of clients like will compare themselves to like their friends or their sisters or people that they know. And they'll say, oh, but mm. they can eat that much. And like, they still get a period or something like that. And it's like, everybody's different. Like Everybody's different. Everybody's yeah. different. You know, it's actually like, I'm, you know, we know this because we see this in clinics so often and we can see how much hormones can change. But it was so interesting because even last year, I went to Europe with a few of my friends and one of my friends that I went with, she gets her period like clockwork, 28 days on the dot every single month. Mm. And for me, my cycle is longer, so it, could, it can it can really change. Um, but again, like we spoke about before with ovulation, I can know I know the signs of ovulation, so then I know one, when it's coming once I've ovulated. Um, yeah. Whilst we're in Europe, my period went like clockwork. I was mm. like, you know, bang on. I knew exactly when it was coming. And she didn't get a period for a whole two months. And no. for her, that was that was the first time it ever happened to her. And although we were kind of doing the same or similar things in terms of movement, we were eating probably same or similar, I guess. Yep. Um, we were sleeping the same amount. Obviously, whatever I was doing was different to what I usually do at home, and that's what my body needed. And whatever she was doing was different to what she does at home, and her body didn't want that. Yeah. And it just kind of shows that we're just you can have two two people doing the exact same things, uh-huh. but if it's different to what our baseline usually is, it can either benefit or it can like, you know, impact it negatively. Yep. A hundred percent. And our, and our body clocks can be super sensitive in that way. So like hearing that, it sounds like your nervous system wanted a bit of a holiday. Yeah. <laughs> but her body clock was just like thrown off. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then um, I guess in terms of then when you're moving from your spring season, so from follicular, then we're moving into ovulation. Yeah, ovulation. So this- Summer? Yeah, summer. Yeah, so inner summer, full moon energy. And this is where, you know, hormonally, our hormones are reaching a peak. So just before ovulation, estrogen is at its highest. Um, The brain hormone LH will also uh, surge, and that's what triggers ovulation. So again, starts in the brain. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, energy is just high. And again, thinking of summer, you know, the days are warmer, the days are longer, you might be more social, doing more things. It feels easier to connect with people. And I also like to refer to it as like, it feels easy to wear more hats. Like it Mm. feels easier to, to be the mum, to be the clinician, to be the friend, to be the sister, to be the, you know, homemaker and the caretaker. Like it's, our our bodies are just so much more resilient at that time. Mm-hmm. Again, again, follicular phase as well. And I find that ovulation is a really good time to tap into pleasure and sensuality, but not even necessarily from like a sexual perspective, mm-hmm. but just really maybe challenging yourself or maybe just having a little experiment with yourself of like what actually feels good for you? What feels good to your body? What feels good to your senses? You know, it's a time in our cycle where it's like, we can feel joy a little bit more easily. And so it's a really good time to just invite that in and not do things that we think would bring joy or like that we see giving other people joy, but again, really tapping into ourselves and going, what feels good for me? Mm -hmm. It's also a great time if you have issues with self-esteem or confidence, uh, limiting beliefs, self-doubt, it's a great time to like do some beliefs work because again, your hormones are supporting usually more beneficial like mental health. So like serotonin is a little bit more sensitive at that time. Dopamine Mm -hmm. will be a little bit more uh, resilient and flexible as well. So it's just a great time to like go, okay, 
path of least resistance. My body is supporting me at the t- at this time. How can I tap into like my self-esteem and my self-worth? It's a mm-hmm. really great time for that. Yeah. Energetically, I really like the practice of um, sort of tuning into your ovulation, tuning into the egg, the potential life force that is being released. Again, whether you're intending to conceive or not, And just tapping into that energy and being like, what could I bring into the world? And this can be, you know, for the rest of your cycle. This could also be for your life. You know, Mm -hmm. it's you can take it micro or macro, especially for creatives. This is a really great time to just go for it. You know, fertile energy is creative energy. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's, I find it's just like a nice little practice. Like you might like to meditate with it. You might like to dance with it, but to just like dedicate your eggs energy to something that month. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that note on the creativity. Cause I remember I was having a, a conversation with the skin therapist and mm. she's a business owner. She's been in business for about 15 years. And I remember she, she's so aware of all menstrual cycle awareness and the different energies. And she actually maps out her whole calendar according to her menstrual cycle. So she does not book any meetings around particular parts of her cycle. Awesome. She, she books all of her project management and creative stuff, like kind of just one period of the month where she's like, I know that's when I'm ovulating. That's where my energy is at its highest. I'm doing all of that at this particular point in time. Awesome. Yeah. And she was like, if there's any point in time where I know that my energy is going to change and I know it in advance, she's like, I don't make any decisions. She's like, there's weeks of the month that I will make zero decisions. And I'll only leave my decision making to when I'm feeling better, probably moving from her spring to like her summer period. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And honestly, like that is my that is my dream ideal world. Like if you're all doing that, could you imagine like how much more flow and like ease there would be and and you just wouldn't you wouldn't put pressure on yourself to have to show up as the same person every single day and then end up having guilt where you're like oh well I don't feel as energetic as I did yesterday last week I was procrastinating why am I not doing that this week and it's okay to feel different in different parts of the cycle because like we said even in our biochemistry you're not the same (laughs) as you were a few weeks ago yeah, it's not just a thing we made up. Like no. this is, it is neuroscience, like and yeah. and endocrine science. Yeah, endocrinology. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Are there some practices that you do yourself during ovulation that you're like, oh, actually, I know this is something that helps me embrace that energy a little bit more. Oh, yeah, lots of dancing, lots of like usually barefoot, naked dancing in my backyard. I love that, <laughs> and, and especially like um ecstatic dance and like non-linear movement so really just going with tuning into your body in every tiny tiny moment Mm. and just doing exactly what feels right for that moment I feel like that's a great way to like express myself and really honor your body with what it needs absolutely yeah and then I'll also create a lot of content during that time it's a great time for podcast interviews I'm not ovulating at the moment I'm in my little (laughs) phase but I'm doing a great job considering you are doing incredible Um, yeah, it's a great time to, I guess, like show up to the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then how about the luteal phase? Cause I know that's something you mentioned before. You're like, yes, I need to jump into the luteal phase. Cause that is, I guess the most, I would say probably problematic for a yeah. lot of women yeah. is the luteal phase. Yeah. And probably the, the most like misunderstood and gets like the worst rap. Mm. So Luteal phase relates to, yeah, autumn and waning moon energy. Um, and again, we think about autumn, you know, there's lots of uh, leaves falling, plant life dying, animal life starts to go in wood and, you know, prepare for the hibernation that's coming up. 
lots of like decay, decaying, and it can feel really, really raw. So, for some people, it will be like a sharp descent, like after ovulation, it'll be like Mm -hmm. ovulate and then boom, and then you're like in it and it can feel really challenging. And for some people, it's a little bit more of a steady decline and going, Mm -hmm. okay, yep, I feel my energy going inwards. For me, and in terms of menstrual cycle awareness, this is a great time for setting boundaries. Oh, and I'm trying to remember mm-hmm. what you're saying before because that was really great where, yeah, p- a lot of times people think they're feeling irrational or doing irrational things or like, why am I thinking this way? If there is something in your life that you're not acknowledging on a consistent or long-term basis, it's going to come up in your luteal phase. Mm-hmm. I would actually love to see some statistics on how many people break up relationships in their and like what phase of their cycle they were in because I would bet it's honestly lucrative. I would love to see that too because do you know how many clients that I've had that said to me I nearly broke up with my boyfriend last week and I don't know why yeah and so now obviously it's not always like the answer is that's the wrong relationship for you and you need yes. to leave and on- no. and honestly sometimes it is and that yeah. that can be really hard to face but sometimes it's just about a need or a desire that's currently unmet that's trying to come through. Mm-hmm. And, you know, especially on a, I guess, to broaden the conversation a little bit, as women, g- very generally, very generally, we can be like really accommodating. We can be, put everyone else before us, play it safe, m- try to make everyone's life People around us. People pleasing mode. People pleasing. Yeah, exactly, exactly. The harshness of the luteal phase is like no more. So it can seem when those like harsh feelings come up, it can seem really aggressive and like aggravating and like rude, but really that's just our body like reaching its limit of like, we have suppressed this for too long. And so, yeah, it's like a time of like any subconscious energy that's been underlying for a while, it's going to come to the surface. And my theory there is that, and I think this is a big role of progesterone. So progesterone is the hormone that dominates the luteal phase. My theory is because of how progesterone changes the brain, which can be slightly different for different people, it's sort of just like assessing your environment. It's like, okay, we've ovulated. We could be making a baby this month. And it's going through everything with a fine tooth comb, like would we want to bring a baby into this environment? And so Mm -hmm. if there's something that your partner's doing that's pissing you off like recurrently, (laughs) brain and progesterone together are like, "Uh uh-uh. Like that. Yeah, like, no, no, no. That's not the yeah, yeah. yeah. That's not the right thing. Over- yeah. If you're overworking or your schedule's too busy or you've got a friend that it's just not working, you know, so many different things it could be. Mm-hmm. Brain, nervous system, progesterone is just gonna be like That's such an interesting perspective. Yeah. It's almost just like a filter that your body's like, okay, well, this is a period of time. We're gonna show you everything. Mm-hmm. And if there's yeah. something that's not fueling the potential to be able to have the space for you to be a mother, then we're kind of going to bring that to the surface right now. Yeah. And not to say that everyone always wants to be a mother, but Mm. like it's just a matter of being able to show you that stuff that in those other phases that you might be neglecting to look at. Yes, exactly. And, and yeah, again, regardless of uh, intention to conceive, intention to want to be a parent, so much is based on our fertility and, if you're in a really optimal state to have a baby, that's usually just when other aspects of your health will be optimal as well. So it just mm-hmm. it's just like a coincidence that they that overlaps. If you've got great fertility, you've probably got great health, you know, especially in terms of nervous system stuff. So yeah, there's just a big overlap there. If you want optimal health, you sort of need to work towards optimal fertility. Yeah. Yes. Yes, exactly. Even if you and don't want actually- a baby. 
No, that's well, that's right. Because even I've had some clients that I've worked with for years on different conditions. And mm. then after a few years, they're like, yep, yeah, cool. I want to try to have a baby now. Should I do some preconception work? And I'm like, well, you've kind of been doing it for the last two years already because mm. you're taking care of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It's good stuff. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, with the luteal phase, like just to sum up, it can be really hard. So go easy with yourself. I find that like self-compassion is is the answer mm-hmm. for all problems, quite frankly. Um, some people can feel really comfortable in this phase. Uh, mm-hmm. I find like introverts and like intuitives can really enjoy it where it's like just the depth and like the rawness and the emotion and being in your feelings. Yeah. Um, and that's also not to say that the whole luteal phase can be like this. I find that generally for whatever reason, I guess in an average cycle, so if ovulation happened on day 14, seven days after, so like day 21, day 22, I just find mm. that's when the emotional side of PMS can really just mm. be very intense for a lot of people, like myself and my clients and my friends. Mm-hmm. And it can last, you know, again, it will be different for everyone. Some people will feel it for the full two weeks and there's a lot of support we can offer there. Otherwise, it might just be, you know, five days, a couple days, one day. So seeing where you can create and implement new boundaries and like just curiously tune into what your body's trying to communicate to you. Yeah, that would Mm. be my advice there. Mm -hmm. I guess comfortably also being okay with saying no, comfortably being able to say like be okay with saying, well, I need this to someone. Maybe even telling your partner if you're in a relationship what I guess the main presenting feelings that come up in different phases of your cycle. So they're also aware as well, whether it's yeah. even something like, yeah, like, Hey, I need your presence next to me, but we don't need to speak. Yeah, like we can just yeah. sit in silence and it's yes, okay. Exactly. Yeah. And that, and honestly, that is exactly what I do. And sometimes it's like a little bit later. Sometimes I try to catch it early, but as soon as I start to feel that change where I'm like, Oh, I'm getting a bit more irritable or like snappy. I'm just like, okay, pause. Hey, boyfriend, luteal phase give me some grace here's what I need and he'll just be like yep cool (laughs) yep I love that I wish I was like that when I was like hungry because I feel like when I'm hungry that's the emotion that I feel yeah (laughs) when I'm hungry I'm like no one speak to me until I get food and then when I get food because right now I'm just pretending that I'm really cool but I'm not (laughs) (laughs) and that is such a good point luteal phase you're metabolic needs are literally higher than other phases Mm. of your cycle. So you need a little bit more calories, like on a, on a baseline level activity and lifestyle pending. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, generally you need more calories and generally you're a little bit more insulin resistant at that time. Mm. So it's really, it's easier for your body to get those like harsher glucose spikes and it's harder for like to get the glucose into your cells that can cause, cause just add to PMS. It can really just add to any symptom of, PMS. Mm. Yeah. That's actually a really important point to bring up because it's at the end of your luteal phase that your body's also deciding to recruit the egg for the next kind of period as well. Like it's yeah. it's already starting that follicle development for the next period. And yep. if you have PCOS already, and then that's a heightened time of insulin resistance. Yep. And then you're, you know, we're not saying not to have the foods that you like to enjoy, but, you know, if that's something that's excessively happening and that's further impacting that, maybe yeah. it is a, probably a period of time that you want to really go higher fat, higher protein. Yeah, and exactly. And that lower carb. Yep, exactly. And, oh, gosh, and managing that with, like, PMS cravings can be more challenging. But, you know, even yes. if it's, like, having what you want but just adding a little bit more fight, like having it with a chia pudding on the side mm. or, like, as even a psyllium husk drink or, like, having it with a, a protein snack on the side as well. Like, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. So then on that note, what is the role of the practitioner with this? So like how you support your clients compared to the role that you get your clients to manage? Yeah, right. So I guess, well, I guess starting with the client, it really needs to be, hmm, I guess they need to see the benefit for themselves. Mm -hmm. They need to know their why for menstrual cycle awareness or Mm -hmm. fertility awareness, you know, whether that, whether they're trying to conceive, whether they want to regulate PMS, manage PCOS better, they really need to have a strong why and they need to put in a lot of the work in terms of cycle tracking, um, being diligent with like tracking ovulation, observing their cervical fluid, like, you know, whatever it is. So they just need to say yes and like be fully in it. And then I feel like the role of the naturopath is, and the practitioner is understanding the hormonal fluctuations throughout a menstrual Mm -hmm. cycle, acknowledging that to start with. And that's something that you can encourage your client to do as well. But yeah, knowing what's happening in each phase, knowing what's happening on a physiological level, knowing how your prescriptions could be doing something a little bit different in each phase, knowing where you might need more of something in one phase compared to the other. I just find, uh, yeah, I feel like it's the practitioner's role to just help the client tailor their lifestyle. And especially if you're working with like nutritional or herbal prescriptions, Mm. really challenging yourself to see how you can make that really aligned with their cycle and Mm -hmm. how that could, yeah, how how that could benefit them. Yeah. Yeah. And I just want to highlight the importance of actually integrating the work of both the practitioner and yourself, like the client in Mm. the process of doing this work because it's all well and good to give a customized treble mixture or a customized compound with nutritionals. But if you're still doing like exerting the same amount of energy in different parts of the cycles, you're not saying no, you're not setting your boundaries, you're not enhancing or supporting your creativity in different parts, you're not having the rest. Essentially, the herbal and the nutritional prescriptions are just Band-Aids. They're just Band-Aids to a nervous system that's not being supported by lifestyle. Exactly. And that's something I'm finding more and more true where I'm just like, oh my gosh, like so much of like society and culture and how we're living is what's getting in the way of like us achieving our health goals. And Mm -hmm. I find that especially for some reason, especially with period pain, like I'll have fellow colleagues saying like they're struggling with like helping a client achieve results in terms of like period pain reduction. And I'm just like, are you working with menstrual cycle awareness? Like, are they resting? Are they mm. are they slowing down beforehand? Are they taking deep rest during? Like, and it's it's usually no. And and sometimes it's like, oh, they can't. And that's where it becomes a really challenging conversation in terms of life demands, societal norms. Yes. Oh, finding the balance. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the the can't is a difficult one to navigate because it's like yeah. There's always going to be a way that something can change. And like sometimes it's those difficult conversations that I have often in clinic that it's like, well, if you want things to change, something has to change because whatever is happening right now is not suiting your body. So if you want your body to change, then whatever you're doing has to change. Yeah. And it might be more than just taking a supplement or herbal tonic or, yeah, unfortunately... Yeah, I know. We wish that we could just like give something, be like, just fix all your medical problems and go and live about your life. But it's not the way. That would be great. It doesn't happen. (laughs) No. (laughs) So if there was somewhere that people can find you to learn more about this and some of the offerings that you have for those that really want this support to understand menstrual cycle awareness, where can they find you? So I mostly am on Instagram. So that is Mm -hmm. at Corinda Holistics. I'm such a weirdo. So Holistics is spelled with a WH and ends in an X. (laughs) Just type in Corinda, K-A-R-I-N-D-A and I should pop up. Yeah. So, yeah, I just do a lot of like education and 
real thoughts, real talk there um, mm-hmm. for both clients and practitioners. Um, I have a menstrual cycle mini course. So if you're interested into delving into each of the phases more and just understanding this as a whole, um, I have that available on my website, corindaholistics.com.au. And I also work uh, online and in person with clients, um, particularly in my online work. I work in packages and we really sort of delve into this menstrual cycle awareness as almost mm-hmm. like the dominant aspect before the naturopathy comes in. So I really weave those together, working with clients for usually minimum of 12 weeks because I just find that that's when change can actually happen rather than yeah. like a one-off Absolutely. available on my website. It's almost kind of like coaching or like PT or anything like that in the way, like one session isn't going to be enough to be able to learn the things that you need to do. Yeah, and that's what I noticed. And I was like, I got to, and you know, it's not going to be for everyone and that's totally fine. And I trust mm-hmm. that the people that it's for will be like, yes, I know I need to invest that time in myself. Yeah. Yes. Incredible. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of your knowledge today. I'll pop your Instagram link, your website, um, email and everything in the show notes so people will be able to find you. But appreciate you sharing all of your knowledge. So thank you again. You're very welcome. And thank you so much for having me. 